there and welcome to Defiance. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I have an interview with Jasmine Bazran, the Policy and Public Affairs Manager from the homeless charity Crisis. Now, when I first heard about the potential lockdown in the UK following the spread of coronavirus, one of the first things that I thought of was how this was going to affect the UK's homeless population. So the day before the lockdown was put in place, I drove down to central London and spoke to a few people living on the streets to find out what they knew about the virus and the impact of the impending lockdown upon them. While they had managed to find out some bits of information, like hotels were being provided, it was clear that they were unsure of what would happen to them or where they would be living, and they were also suffering from a much lower footfall of people who would maybe help them with begging or with access to kind of food and drinks. It was a very difficult situation for those people living on the streets. So I wanted to find out more about what is happening with this. So I reached out to Crisis and managed to get Jasmine on. Now we discuss the homeless problem in the UK, how coronavirus will impact the people living on the streets and what the charity is trying to do to help. But before we get into that interview, I do also just need to thank my sponsor Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin, consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. Are you a Bitcoiner? If not, and you would like to learn more about Bitcoin, then please check out my other show, What Bitcoin Did, which Kraken also sponsors. And I also have a beginner's guide on there, which can help you understand everything related to Bitcoin if you're new to it. Bitcoin is a decentralized peer-to-peer digital currency without any central authority. By not having a controlling party required to validate transactions, Bitcoin is both trustless and permissionless. It is also an opt-out of government fuckery. And as Edward Snowden said, Bitcoin is freedom. If you want to find out more, head over to kraken.com. Also, if you enjoy Defiance and want to support the show, please do leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. Follow me on social media and share this out with your friends and family. If you do have any questions about this or any of my other shows, please do feel free to email me. My email address is peter at defiance.news. The reason why we fight is to draw attention to issues and to fix it. Resilient. Resolute. Defiant in the face of impossible odds. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money. Hundreds of protesters turned out singing Glory to Hong Kong, an anthem of defiance. Good morning, Jasmine. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing really well, thank you. You're, uh, you're on a lockdown as well? Yeah, as I'm following all government advice. So, um, yeah, it's been about two weeks, but... Um, I think I'm slowly adjusting to it. Well, thank you for coming on the show. This is a, a, an important topic for me. Uh, I've been a casual donator to shelter since uh, over a decade. But my crisis. sister... Well, no, no, no. I know your crisis. I'm just saying... Oh, that, sorry. <laughs> in, in, in terms of homelessness, it's an important okay. problem for me. But I'm also a donator to crisis because my sister volunteers every Christmas at uh, the crisis centres for specifically for women so every christmas rather than a christmas present i make a donation to crisis oh that's brilliant yeah so i'm I'm fully aware of the charity my sister will be very excited that i'm doing this and uh yeah i didn't get the charity wrong at the start <laughs> it's only because that happens more uh more than you think so no, <laughs> sorry I, sorry for jumping in there. <laughs> no it's fine i actually no i support both charities and tom who helped schedule this is also a big fan of crisis as a charity but just as a starting point before we get into the detail can it, it would probably be good if you just let people know who crisis are what crisis does and what your role is 
at the charity? Yeah, so Crisis is the national charity for people facing homelessness. So we work across England, Scotland and Wales to support people directly out of homelessness. Um, and we work side by side with kind of thousands of people every year to do that. Um, we also, uh, so we run services. Um, we don't offer our own housing, but we work very closely with landlords to um, house people securely, to ensure people kind of are able to support themselves financially. So whether that's through the benefit system or through work, um, we also run kind of employment training and classes and also lots of kind of wider um, support, such as kind of support with mental health and skills and general well-being. So we do creative art. Um, classes we offer sports classes so kind of a holistic package to support people um, but our our goal is very much to end homelessness for people we believe it can be ended we know it can be ended and that's our aim through our services but also in our campaigning work so we also have a big policy and campaigns kind of operation um, and in 2000 and 18, we published a plan to end homelessness and we worked to kind of with governments to to show them what we can do and to end homelessness and the changes needed to support everyone into secure um, and stable housing which we know is possible and which we want to achieve in kind of the next 10 years. Okay great and can you give me and the listeners a picture of what homelessness means in the UK because I think automatically when you think of someone as being homeless you tend to think maybe one of the people you see maybe with a sleeping bag sleeping in the kind of some kind of cardboard construction of themselves we almost think of the the cliche version of homelessness but homelessness is far broader than this it covers a far wider group of situations than just your traditional cliched view of a homeless person, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so exactly as you said, there's there are thousands of people who unfortunately are in a, a really dangerous and and terrible situation of of sleeping on the streets or maybe sleeping in kind of um, sleeping bags and tents and really insecure forms of accommodation. But homelessness is is more than that. So sometimes we talk about something called hidden homelessness and it means the types of homelessness that people don't generally think of so um actually some of the largest um groups of people who are homeless are people who are sofa surfing so not having anywhere to go having to stay with friends um or with family if they can on their on their sofas and I think sometimes people don't imagine that's difficult, but it is when it's your when it's your permanent situation where you don't when you don't know where you'll be going to next, when you don't know how long you can stay, and also when you're trying to kind of respect the privacy and space of the person you're staying with, but don't have your own kind of privacy and space. So homelessness is also that situation. It's also living in hostels, living in um kind of temporary accommodations so hotels and bed and breakfasts um which again I think sometimes can sound quite nice and I think for if you think about living in a hotel obviously when we all go on holiday it is a nice experience but then if you think about living there permanently um lots of places lots of hotels and bed and breakfasts don't have things like basic facilities to cook the facilities to wash your clothes to clean Um, And it's a really difficult situation to be in, um, especially for families, if you've got children um, and trying to kind of support them in that space. And 
children not having their own kind of space to be able to do their homework or to be able to kind of grow up and develop as as we'd hope they can in, in a home and a safe environment. So homeless is kind of many, many different things and people experience many different kind of things in that, but it is a wide range and it's something that we want to see ended altogether so that the ultimate goal is everyone can be in their own home in a secure kind of long-term place for them to kind of settle down and grow and thrive as we as lots of us are able to and what are the range of reasons that people end up in a homeless situation obviously there's economic reasons and maybe victims of various forms of abuse are there any other obvious reasons that people might not be aware of which lead to people being in a homelessness situation so one of the things that we've seen particularly increase over the last few years is people becoming homeless because they are evicted from a private um, rented tenancy and kind of people struggling to be able to afford a home. So I think it's really important. As you've said, there are lots of different reasons and often people have suffered a traumatic experience or abuse, but also it's it's really difficult because sometimes people are homeless because they can't Um, they're struggling to cover the cost of their rent because they may not be able to work or they may not be able to work many hours um, and the support they're receiving from the um, kind of government, from the welfare system isn't enough that they can um, keep their rent, um, kind of keep covering the cost of their rent um, or kind of disability illness. um, They might not be able to work or they're working in very low paid jobs or zero hour contracts and it can be really really difficult so one of those we've seen more and more kind of people struggling economically struggling financially and that's driving homelessness but we also see people becoming homeless from specific situations so we know people who have been in care are much more likely at much higher risk of homelessness or people who are discharged from hospital because without kind of safe support networks around you or often in those situations people don't have anywhere else to go and they leave care or they leave a hospital or they leave somewhere like prison and there isn't anywhere else for them to go and at the moment there isn't join up of services and support in place to make sure that those people go somewhere where they can where they have a roof over their heads and somewhere safe for them um, and too often that leads to people ending up on the street so really a huge thing we are seeing is there's just not enough affordable homes for people to to live in and that would make kind of the huge difference with homelessness um, because no matter what your experiences are we should there should be um, the kind of safety and support given so that no one does end up homeless it shouldn't be a situation that if an event does happen in your life if you do experience a traumatic um, experience or go through a relationship breakdown that that means you are then in a situation where you are homeless okay okay is it a is it a growing problem, homelessness now, statistically? Can you give me a picture over the last maybe year, five year, ten years? Like, is it a growing problem or is it a problem that's being solved? So in England in particular, we have seen kind of significant increases in homelessness. The official statistics from uh, the government in England show that there was a kind of 169% increase in people sleeping rough. And so the kind of very worst um, the sharpest end of homelessness over the last kind of 10 years. 
Um, so we know that that's been a really significant problem. We've also, Crisis has done their own kind of research looking at all the different forms of homelessness. And we have seen increases in nearly all forms of homelessness. So especially for people who are sofa surfing or in that kind of more hidden homelessness situation, we've seen huge increases over the last kind of five years. In Scotland and Wales, it's been a little bit different. So in Scotland, the situation's stabilised, so there's there hasn't been the increases we have seen in England, but we have still seen some forms of, of homelessness increase, so particularly around people living in things like bread and breakfasts and hotels, and a lot of that is down to kind of the different um, government legal systems we have in the three countries. But we know that if we don't see significant changes in in policies, in laws, um, that homelessness will increase. And over the next kind of two decades, we will see kind of the doubling of the numbers of people who are homeless um, if we don't see kind of huge changes come into place. Um, and some of that actually is, is now now changing we're in a period of kind of things really up in the air and lots of uncertainty that we're all experiencing but we are seeing in response to COVID-19 the government is putting has put in some protections in place and made some changes that we know that if they are carried on in the long term would really really help and prevent future homelessness and change that trend of increasing homelessness. Why is it becoming an increasing problem is it all economic is it uh, is it in a growing inequality? Is it a lack of funding due to austerity? Is it all of this? What What are the reasons? Is a growing problem? So one of the main things we see as as kind of driving this growing problem is is the lack of affordable housing. Um, okay. So one thing we've really really seen over the like really significantly over the last kind of um, kind of few years it well actually it kind of backtracks to over the last 40 years to be really honest and um, we have seen a huge um decline in in things like the availability of social rent housing and um, so housing at social rent levels um of people on lower incomes um, and we've we've seen that really really fall away over the last kind of 40 years or so and then especially within the last 10 years, we also saw a really big erosion of support from the welfare system. So changes um, to housing benefit, um, much, much less support in that area, and then less support for people to live on with their day to day. Um, And that's had a huge impact on people because it does mean it's, it's really hard to do things like be able to pay your rent and be able to cover the cost of essentials so buy your food that you need cover bills cover anything unexpected so if you suddenly your boiler breaks down you need to have something to be able to cover that and we often see those kinds of things just can completely destabilize people when they're living in a situation of of kind of really living hand to mouth and and having to kind of get by and struggle week to week so those are the main things that we've we've really seen and particularly where um, with the, with the housing, it's it's meant it's really difficult for councils, for example, to be able to then also support people who are homeless into safe and secure housing. Um, it's been more harder and harder to kind of find that housing for people that they can access and then kind of be able to live in for the long term. Okay, just before we 
start talking about the impact that coronavirus has had, because obviously this is unprecedented times for two reasons. Firstly, I guess you guys are under uh, double pressure. You've got increased demand on your resources at a time when I guess that there is uh, an increase in pressure on your own economic position because charities are suffering during this like any business is suffering. So I do want to cover that. But before we get into that, just the last thing I want to ask is, what is the impact on the individual in becoming homeless? What is the uh, additional risks of sinking into drug and alcohol abuse, maybe sex work, mental health problems, the effect on children? Can you just, I know that's a very broad uh, question. It might take quite some time to answer, but I just, I think it'd be useful to understand the impact on the individual. Yeah, so I think if you think about kind of living your day to day, and I once went to a talk and someone asked this, and I think it, it it's done really well. If you think about what you do day to day, maybe not our new day to day, but our old day to day, and you think about, um, you, you know, you get up in the morning, you go to work, um, you maybe meet friends or, or spend time with family. And if you think about doing all of those things or trying to do all of those things without somewhere to come back to um to call a home so, so you might completely not have somewhere you might be kind of without shelter whatsoever or living in an extremely difficult situation like a tent or maybe you're living in a room in a hostel where there's lots of other people um who are kind of dealing with their own challenges and you can immediately you can already start imagining how difficult that is um and homelessness is is just a completely destabilizing um, situation it's it's really really difficult to kind of find your own space find your own kind of stability but also it's incredibly isolating it's lonely and it's really really scary not knowing where you you might be able to sleep next or not knowing what your situation will be like if you come back into a night shelter or a hostel for example and you're sharing your space with lots of other people it's incredibly difficult and it does, you know, there it, it does make it very hard for things like kind of keeping mental health. Um, so we know that homelessness itself can create additional problems um, and things like mental health needs. So we know people who are homeless for um, a very long time or experience homelessness more than once in their life are much more likely to have to develop things like mental health um, support needs. So. The experience is just awful, um, and especially if we're talking about the the very sharpest end of homelessness, people who sleep on our streets are also kind of significantly more likely to be victims of crimes of abuse, and that situation is is just it's it's just shocking that that should happen. So, someone who's already kind of in a situation where they're incredibly exposed, sleeping on the streets, you know, very unsafe, very dangerous, they're then also kind of more susceptible to to kind of experiencing violence and um, kind of some really awful kind of experiences such as sexual assault so the experience itself is just it's really kind of debilitating and, and has a huge impact on people's lives and that's one of the reasons why we're striving to just end it all together um, and prevent it in as many cases as possible because we don't want people having to to go through, be forced into those situations and, and go through those experiences. We want to make sure that everyone's supported and and isn't in, in those kinds of situations, which I'm sure none of us would ever want anyone to be in and certainly no one we'd, we know to ever be in. 
Actually, I do have another couple of questions before we get into the other thing. Do do people come become institutionalized in their own homelessness in that it becomes a life they don't want to escape? Or in every scenario, does somebody want to escape with the situation they're in? I think that's a really interesting question. And from our work, working directly with people, we do see people who may have been, who are in homelessness for, for many years and in kind of, especially people who may be sleeping rough and on our streets for kind of many years. So um, I also volunteer at our at crisis's uh, Christmas centres and, um, you know, I have worked with some people who have been homeless for kind of 40 years or 20 years and it's really, really difficult and I think Sometimes in that situation, if you talk to someone, they might say to you, no, I'm happy being here, I'm I'm okay. But I think you have to remember that for someone to have been sleeping rough for for that length of time, they have been let down by services and they've been let down by support. And they most likely, and we see this lots, have developed a mistrust of authorities. If you are in that situation where you are having to sleep rough, you're forced to sleep on the streets, Things haven't been there for you when you've needed them to be there. Um, and there's lots and lots of reasons why we see that happening. We see we see kind of there's legal barriers um, that stop people from getting help. So if someone is sleeping rough or homeless and doesn't have a connection to a local area, they can be turned away from support. People can be turned away because of their immigration status. So we can see people coming here from kind of European countries, working but then often having very little employment protection and rights and then losing their job, having no access to the benefit system, so nothing to kind of help them to get to keep a roof over their heads. And then they end up homeless and there's very little there, unfortunately, in the systems that we have now that support them. So we do see people who have been let down time and time again and so their response is to push people away. Um, And our answer to that is always to keep trying with those people and that's not to force them into a situation but over time to keep trying with people because homelessness is incredibly dangerous the the life expectancy of people experiencing homelessness the average life expectancy is is 43 years and that's down from 47 years four years ago so it's it has a huge huge impact on people health-wise mental health-wise and so even if you are in a situation where someone is saying to you no I'm happy here I think we can all agree that that none of us would choose to be in that situation and and actually if if someone's in a place where they think they're better off there, it's because the the other alternatives that they've been offered or that they've experienced have have been really not just nowhere near good enough and have have really let them down. So it's about getting the right support to people in the right way to make sure that they can live safely and 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 in their own way. Yeah. Again, I've got, sorry, it keeps leading to other questions. So. It's making me think. What is a success story for you? you know, what where do you consider a success story, and, and like where have you got somebody to? And what are the challenges of taking somebody from living, say, on the street to being completely independent? Um, what what are what are the challenges you face with that individual? And and also within that, sorry, a third question is: 
what are the risks in that as well? Is the risk that somebody cannot function in a because I guess what you're trying to get them to a point is where they function in in society where they maybe will then have a job, have a home, be self sufficient. Are there risks that people don't actually want to function in that form of a society and then slip back into living back on the street? Again, another broad question. <laughs> um. So, what's success for me? I can tell you a story that really stuck with me from again from our crisis at Christmas centers um well actually I can tell you two stories because I think it'll probably give a, a range of, of experience and um, because like the point as the point you made earlier sometimes it's easy to think homelessness is one type of story and actually mm-hmm. there are many many stories and many people um in different situations but one of the things that really stuck with me was uh, a lady came to our crisis at Christmas center who'd been sleeping rough for a really really long time I'm tempted to say 20 years but I can I'm going to be completely honest and say I think I've made up that number but she she had definitely been sleeping for many years on the streets and kind of really struggling um in in lots of different ways and she her physical health was really deteriorating um and she had been referred to to one of our centers and had come along and her immediate kind of reaction to that was extreme hostility so she was extremely hostile when she came in uh, into the center and i think she um was very very hostile to the to, to the people at the door so we often have people in our centers kind of welcoming people before they even enter and she kind of displayed she was obviously not happy so displayed kind of hostility and upset and the person at the door did what we do with our centers and welcomed her inside and introduced her to the services and she later said that was the first time that in many years that she had not had a negative response to her so when she had been she'd been scared and and acting in a certain way often people would react um kind of to push push her away and that was the first time that that hadn't happened and during that time at crisis of christmas she engaged in the services um she used kind of the different classes that were on offer the advice and a year later she was in a flat and kind of renting on her own and kind of living in her flat and looking at her looking at her different options um and that kind of that kind of shows the journey people can go on but i think as well it's really important that we don't just think about the person but the the right support in place so she was able to find what she needed and what she, what was on offer at crisis at that time was what she needed and what would help her and i think that's the really important thing that where people are able to connect in with thing with services and with people who can support them there's hope there's another story i'll tell you about um a guy who came to crisis in Newcastle, very young, he'd been sofa surfing and was really, really worried about having to sleep on the streets because the friend's house he was staying in said that they could no longer have him there um, and he was terrified. Um, and he was referred to us um, because we had a project running with the job centre in Newcastle so when he went to the job center they said oh maybe crisis can help you and he was struggling with mental health um but he he came to us and we were able to find him a secure kind of place to stay and then from there we were able to support him 
so he engaged with us and we helped him with mental health service access mental health services and from there he then went on to kind of go into our uh, renting ready course and learn about renting his own place but also he started thinking about what he wanted to do and he decided he wanted to do some volunteering and work in certain industries and we supported him with that um, and then since then he he realized he didn't want to do the work he engaged in and he wants to go back to university and study and that's a case of kind of preventing someone who was homeless from going into kind of an even worse situation and being able to support them at the right time and I think uh, one point you said was kind of the journey should be that someone then kind of is self-sufficient and works and I think it's really important that I've, that for me the journey is very much helping the person on their way into you know housing has a secure house has to be the base of that so the journey is always very much supporting somewhere where they someone into a place where they can live securely and without worry of losing that home but then beyond that yes many many people would like to work and we run services to support those ambitions um, and to help people with the skills they need so with language classes or confidence building or lots of different types of um, skills to kind of help them realize what they'd like to do but it's also I think it's really important that there isn't this kind of assumption that you have to work to be of value for example or you have to work to to live successfully some people that we support um uh, have disabilities have illnesses or have other things that make it very difficult to work but that doesn't mean work in a traditional sense for example but that doesn't mean um they don't want to be supported to be able to do other things or volunteer or kind of be involved and, and stabilize and, and have kind of live their lives in a, in a way that they they're happy with so I think that's really important and and really what we try to do and what many many homelessness services try to do as well um is support people to into what they they would like to do um, nice. and sometimes many times that is work but um it can it for some people that work might not be the the most appropriate outcome um and it and it might be something less like more like volunteering or something like that people of a more conservative persuasion politically will probably not look too lightly on the idea of social housing and social support there you'll most likely have run into people who kind of think well I don't want to be taxed to pay for other people's problems are there any sound economic arguments outside of policy for why it's good for society to actually help homeless people and take homeless people off the street well if we look at kind of the experiences of homelessness that we were talking about before, you are much more likely to, if you are experiencing homelessness, you're much more likely to um, need support with health, for example, or access services. So we know that overall reducing and ending homelessness saves much more money than it costs. So one thing we did when we wrote our plan to end homelessness in 2018 was we looked at the economic argument behind that so okay. we cost the cost of people being forced into homelessness also we have to remember that people living in situations like bread and breakfast hotels is actually very expensive so the local authorities are spending lots of money supporting people in those situations because they can't access things in many places like social housing where someone can be housed for a long period of time 
and that is expensive and when we looked at kind of all the um costings around that and all the costings around say um of people not having to use or access certain services as frequently such as mental health services alcohol and drug services we found that there's significant cost savings to be made so over a 10-year period um taking away the costs of of kind of all the interventions needed you would kind of generate um 9.9 billion in economic gain so in financial benefits and that is because and it it makes sense if you think about it if you're making sure that people are supported and are able to kind of live safely and securely it does then also mean you save any costs of people being in a dangerous situation or in a situation where they need um, more help and i think it's really interesting um what you said about social housing because i think we have seen a shift in in attitudes towards social housing from all kind of political parties and more and more i think all political parties are understanding the role that it plays in our society and the need for it and we're hoping that kind of in the future we see significant um increases in social housing and that's certainly something crisis and lots of the homelessness sector so shelter and others that we work closely with are are pushing okay all right so we're obviously in unprecedented times for everybody right now so where this first struck me was on the day i can't remember the exact date but on the day where it was rumored almost certain that we they were going to announce the lockdown uh for the following day the first thing that struck my mind was, well, how do you have a lockdown with homeless people? And what support is being provided for homeless people? So I um, I got in my car and drove down to London and when I spoke to two or three people. I didn't take public transport and uh, went to Regent Street and spoke to two or three people. And two things uh, stood out to me. The first thing was that there were still a lot of homeless people on the street despite what was happening. But the th- second thing that stood out to me talking to people is that their ability to find out or access information was obviously restricted. They're not at home with a computer or a TV. Uh, I did I did see one guy with a phone, but uh, two guys I spoke to didn't even have a phone. The only way they had access to information was talking to other people. Uh, nobody was aware that a lockdown was coming. They had just made the announcement that there would be hotel accommodation provided. Again, nobody knew that this was available. So it would be useful to me if you could talk me through the journey crisis has been through with coronavirus, when you started to become aware it was a problem that you were going to have to address, and then what are the particular challenges you are now facing with this? So, yeah, I think probably how everyone um, felt was things moved really, really quickly. So once we did, you know, as everyone became aware that actually this is this is going to be a big problem for us. I think then our priority as a as a charity for people facing homelessness was what do we do to make sure that the people we're supporting and people we can support are safe and are protected. And as you said, although there are many, many forms of homelessness, particularly in this situation, the people most exposed are those people in the worst form. So the people who are sleeping on the streets or who are in night shelters where they can't follow government advice to self-isolate or um, kind of social distancing or any of those kinds of things. So for us, it was about, okay, we need to make sure that our services also at the same time kind of to protect 
our frontline staff. Um, we need to make sure our services are adapting to support people that need it as quickly as possible. So that's something that we're still doing, but we quite immediately had to change the way some of our services are working. Obviously, for people who are in, in, in accommodation where they can isolate, we can support them remotely is something we're doing but we also having to support people much more directly where um they are more exposed and at risk um we also know generally that uh, people experiencing homelessness are kind of three times more likely to have a chronic health condition and including respiratory conditions so they're particularly at risk during this time with the with the um pandemic so um our aim has really been to try to move as quickly as possible, but also doing that through working very closely with local homelessness organisations, as well as through our services with partners, but also with government, because I think the biggest shift we saw, so you rightly said, as people, when the lockdown was first being talked about, no one really knew what was going on and no one was really sure what it meant, if it meant kind of a total lockdown, if it meant some form of it but the biggest thing we then saw come from the government directly around homelessness was the initiative to then direct local authorities to say that everyone who is sleeping on the streets everyone in night shelters and everyone in hostels where there's kind of shared accommodation uh, shared facilities so they can't self-isolate and can't follow health guidelines needs to be in self-contained temporary accommodation so that's been the hugest kind of has that been that achieved so we've seen around unofficial figures suggest that, and not ours, sorry, but the unofficial figures from the government suggest there have been around 4,000 people who have been moved into self-contained temporary accommodation. But we know that there's still around 1,000 people who haven't accessed that and who need that support. But it has been a significant effort and, you know, lots and lots of homelessness charities have been involved in in supporting that and and supporting those people um we supported kind of people through our service in Merseyside to do that with a partner a hotel partner stay city apart hotels that we were able to support people directly into into hotels um hotel accommodation and out of that dangerous situation so that's been a really, really huge shift and something really unprecedented, an extraordinary effort that we haven't seen before. And what we want to see now and what we want to know is kind of make sure all those people who are still left outside of that support are receiving it because we do know that there are people being turned away from that support um, for reasons that they shouldn't be. The um, there needs to be like an assertive approach from government to make sure that everyone is accessing that because really having people fall through through the gaps in this situation is 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 incredibly dangerous and is a life or death situation even more so than kind of the dangers of homelessness in and of itself so we need the government to be assertive and make sure that all local authorities are um, giving that support to people. We know some people are being turned away because of their immigration status, for example, which absolutely shouldn't happen. We know some people have been turned away because of those legal reasons I mentioned. So because they don't have a local connection to the area, which again, absolutely shouldn't be happening. Um, but then as well, we want to make sure that once people are in those hotels or bed and breakfasts or whatever form that self-contained accommodation is, we need to make sure that they're getting the right support when they're in that situation. So we need to make sure there's like dedicated funding for local authorities 
so that they can provide the support services people need. Um, if you're putting lots of people into a hotel, how you're how are you staffing it? How are you making sure people are getting food? How are they able to access things like mental health support services or drug and alcohol support services if that's what's needed? It's incredibly important that all of those things are happening um, and people are getting the right support they need. So we have seen an unprecedented shift and unprecedented action over this, but we need to make sure it's done properly with the right funding in place and with the right support to people because it gives a huge opportunity to make sure that no one is left extremely exposed just because um, they are homeless or just because of their immigration status, which is a situation that we just shouldn't be in. Right, so... I've got a couple of questions. One might come across as ignorant. I hope it isn't. But if the supply is coming, say, from a hotel and this as a facility is um, being provided for a number of homeless people, there's a few questions that come to mind. My first one comes to mind is that are there enforcement rules where everybody has to stay in their room and perhaps can go out once a day for exercise, similar to everyone else? Therefore, this is going to be quite a different experience for someone who's used to living on the street perhaps and roaming wherever they choose to now being self-contained within a room. So that's quite a different experience. Um, How are they being fed? But also, and this is a bit that might sound ignorant, but is there a risk of suddenly putting, filling a hotel with homeless people who maybe have a range of different mental health addiction issues? I know, for example, talking to my sister, there are certain, there are certain situations that can flare up crisis at Christmas that they have to be aware of and they have to have certain staff uh, on hand for that. How is all this being managed? Well, that, those are actually the the very kind of things that we're, we're worried about and we're trying to work with the government and push the government on to, to make sure that those kind of issues, as you've said, are being managed. You're completely right in that. It's an extremely different situation. Um, not everyone who has been housed has come from directly from sleeping on the street, but many people have. And it is it's a it's a huge shift and and it is going to be difficult. And I think lots of us are are struggling with this anyway, but particularly when there's been such a huge shift. And that's why we're we're kind of really pushing that they get the right support in that situation because there's also a really big opportunity here to to get people support and um connect them in and connect with them so i know we've worked with some people that have been have have kind of been very hard to um engage with or haven't haven't accepted support for the reasons we were talking about earlier so kind of having very difficult journeys and having very difficult experiences but they they are in accommodation now through this initiative and that's really really important because that is a starting point it's it's not an easy journey and I think we can't kind of take away from for how difficult this is going to be for some people some people have been through incredibly difficult things and have rightly kind of mistrust um, many kind of things that are happening but the the main thing is is they are in a safe place and we need to make sure that that, that they are being supported properly and therefore not kind of just left in a hotel room as you said and that's one of the reasons why we really want to see dedicated funding from government on this to maintain that support also make sure it is there we know in lots of areas it's it's just very rare varied so we know in some places you already had existing arrangements with support services or organizations that were providing support to people and they've been able to link in 
to this initiative. So they are there and they are um, um, helping people through this. But in other places, that wasn't in place and it isn't in place. And so it's leaving people in really, really difficult situations. And if you have staff that also don't know how to um, manage these situations, it's going to be incredibly difficult for them. Um, so it's just really important we get all of that now as quickly as possible um, in the right way, kind of funded and straight to people so that they can engage in that and get what they need while while in this in the situation, which... Um, are you saying, though, that that's not all in place right now, that there are uh, hotels now which are accommodating people but aren't structurally set up in the way you would like them to be? Yeah, there are there are places where we know that, that we need to link in more support services and that's something that many kind of homelessness charities are, are trying to work with to make sure that 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 is in place is, is that actually are there actually problems now are there situations flaring up um uh, it's it's one of the things that I, I i can't get out of my mind with this is what i keep thinking uh, what are the risks here because one of the things i was thinking is that this idea that you must get homeless people off the street but is this a potential is the risk the other way? Is there a potential that these like prisons become a hot hotbed for the spread of the virus if it gets into one of these hotels as well? Yeah, I think that's something that's really, really important. That as and then it's something that we also are pushing the government for that people in these um in this accommodation, they also get the access to healthcare that they need. So particularly people who are symptomatic of coronavirus are getting that support straight away. Um, they So the they are set up to be able to self-isolate, but then we, you need to make sure that they have access to food um, and can and can self-isolate in, in appropriately. And I think one of the things we are also really pushing the government for is, is for the staff um, helping people in those situations themselves to also have kind of the necessary protective equipment the, the to so that they can also support people who are symptomatic so it is also uh, it's a difficult time to manage through and there's kind of yeah. lots of different factors those staff are going to be down the pecking order right now if we don't have frontline medical staff who have ppe and we certainly yeah. don't have people in the community in, in uh, let's say with homes for the elderly or my cousin who works uh, supporting people with mental health issues she works in a home for that they i mean she's got no access to ppe so i assume these facilities are going to be similarly down the pecking order and therefore the staff working there are going to be at an increased risk we've seen it with 15 deaths so far of transport workers so naturally it feels like we're putting people in a riskier situation and i guess is is this being talked about enough uh, i've not heard this area referred to so with regards to homelessness i i originally heard that the hotels should be used to provide accommodation and i also heard that local authorities were ordered to do this but i haven't heard anything else is, is enough being is a, a big enough light being shone on this is it being talked about enough and ask are we potentially heading to some kind of I don't want to use the word scandal, but just situations flaring up because this isn't being dealt with or given the priority it maybe needs. I think the really important thing here is also that we can't be complacent about this, as you said. So we can't, you know, being able to offer people a place so that they're not sleeping on the streets and they're not in that dangerous situation 
is absolutely necessary and definitely something that needed to happen um, in response to coronavirus. But we can't now be complacent and say, okay, people are inside, that's it, they're at less risk. We know that there are lots, there's lots more to be done to make sure that these people are then supported um, while they are inside. As well, looking ahead, we want to make sure that this then doesn't mean that people after kind of this initial push and this initial response to coronavirus, that people aren't then returning to the streets and they aren't going back into night shelters or kind of sleeping in very insecure and dangerous accommodation. So there is a lot to be done to make sure that people are getting the right support, but then um, the government also needs to put in place kind of proactive plans for these people to be able to move out of these situations and into secure housing. And that's going to be the safest way to do this. We can't sustain a situation where people are kind of in hotels. Um, we do need to make sure that people are going into secure long-term um, kind of safe places with a roof over their heads. And I think that's one of the reasons we are pushing for kind of the dedicated funding behind this is to make sure that that support is being put in place every everywhere. We know lots of local authorities are doing really brilliant things. We, we've seen kind of a huge effort in lots of places and people are receiving that support. Um, but we know that it can vary and it's not everywhere. And so we need the funding behind it and we need the structures in place to make sure that it is happening in the, in the way it needs to everywhere. Yeah, I worry about these hotel rooms starting to feel almost like prison cells for people who've, like I say, have had it. Whilst people may, and I'm only referring to those who are living on the street, but whilst living on the street is obviously terrible and dangerous, there is that, at least you have that ability and the freedom to roam and uh, move about. To suddenly move into a situation where you're in a room probably no bigger than the room I'm in right now with a bed and a TV and being told you have to stay there apart from going out for... A uh, small amount of exercise that's, that's, must be a shock to the system. And the other thing I, that I'm just coming to mind is is this ethical position where, in a post coronavirus world where we moved we move beyond certain levels of social distancing, will we have the point where the people will be essentially ejected onto the street? Obviously, you're going to try and avoid this, but I think we obviously potentially face that. That's something I, I think that's something that we really have to prevent and cannot let it happen it just cannot be a case where people have been um kind of supported off the street and and you're completely right the obviously it's a kind of unprecedented situation we're in and we've never seen anything like this we've never seen this action happen it's it's something that kind of everyone's having to work on and figure out a little bit but then the outcome of this cannot be people returning into rough sleeping and into night shelters and into those um kind of really unsafe forms ways of living that they that they were forced into before so that's really incredibly important and will be a huge focus i think over the next few weeks um to make sure that that just doesn't happen i don't think there will be any excuse if 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 that's the situation that happens because we now have people and we know who they are now the government knows who they are because they are supporting them they're having them in this situation and through this initiative um, which has you know really shifted things and so we need a huge effort from national government from local government and organizations up and down the country to to make sure that people aren't returned into into homelessness 
How stretched are you individually and as an organisation, as a charity? How stretched are you? Um, so we are kind of um, kind of changing our services to make sure that we're supporting people. Um, but one thing we are doing as well is um, working very closely with local homelessness organisations. So we've launched a In This Together campaign um, and that's so you know calling out for support from the public so we can continue our services but also crucially so we can offer grants to smaller organizations so that they are able to support people um, we we do run kind of in our normal life uh, we have 11 services across Great Britain um, but we can't be everywhere and you know lots and lots of small organizations do incredibly important work with communities supporting people who are homeless and are really financially struggling so um, our um, grants program is, has been set up and released to be able to offer support to people so they, they can offer services to people and, and kind of tailor support to help them in during this pandemic um, so that's something that we're kind of really pushing for and um, we've seen lots of organizations take up that support which has been really brilliant and we want to continue being able to to, to um, give that support to people so that's that's something that we're really kind of keen to do and really pushing yeah this situation has put a lot of economic pressure on a lot of people and I don't think we will see the full impact of that, perhaps for weeks, maybe months. But we do run the risk of many people in as we come out of this situation being out of work, unable to pay their rent, unable to pay their mortgage. And I guess there is a potential here you will face a deepening crisis of people without homes. Is this something you're planning for? Is this How big a fear is this? So I think... We've seen the government announce protections um, in response to the pandemic, and there's lots of those that, if, as you say, we're not sure how things will will happen in the future. We're not sure what jobs people will be able to go back to, what they might not be able to go back to. So what we need to do is make sure in this time that the support is there for everyone who needs it, and it is enough support that they aren't in a in a in a place where they're struggling to kind of keep a roof over their heads that's the last thing we want to see so we're pushing very hard for kind of uh, we want to make sure universal credit is supporting people in in the right way with enough we have seen that increase in housing benefit which will help lots of people but we need to make sure that people are getting their money as as soon as they can if they do need support from universal credit and that Things like um, deductions or overpayments or any kind of kind of reduction in the in the support you would get from the benefit system is suspended altogether, um, and we're likely going to need to see a continuation of that um, to understand while we understand what people can and can't access. Um, and I think I think it's really important that we make sure that people aren't kind of just in a situation where they see a sudden drop um, where things change. So. What we have seen is um, a suspension of evictions over the next three months, which is really, really important. But we need to make sure then that people aren't then after those three months left in a situation where they are facing eviction or they're worried about eviction just because those measures have have run out. So I think the next few weeks will be really critical to to understand the situations people are in things are moving so fast um but yeah the most important thing will be to make sure that no one is kind of left on a cliff edge 
at the end of this and that the support in place isn't just a short-term um, support but something that kind of is is there as long as people need it. I, I personally, I would have a worry for the kind of work you're doing is that we have seen the Conservative government implement some quite strong austerity measures and that with the levels of borrowing they they have to do to support the economy right now there's a risk that we will see uh, deepening levels of austerity in a post-coronavirus world it's something i would worry about but anyway listen look uh, this has been very very useful jasmine thank you for being very open and honest is there anything i haven't asked you that you wish i had have asked you any part of this that you would have liked to have got across to people um I don't think so, actually. I feel like we covered quite a lot in the last hour. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Well, well, listen, if people want to support Crisis, tell them how they can do it. Give a shout out to the charity here. Please sign up to our In This Together campaign. It's not just supporting Crisis, but it's to support lots of local organisations as well. And that's the kind of right now it would be just really, really helpful to offer that support we also did a call out for all of our volunteers um, who do volunteer with us throughout the year and at crisis at christmas um, and we're looking at how we can for all those people who have come forward how we can safely um support them to to volunteer in different ways with local organizations or with us to support people who are experiencing homelessness so please do get in touch if you are able to volunteer and can give us your time in that way that would be fantastic and where do they find out about your In This Together campaign? Um, it's on our website um, on www.crisis.org.uk. There's a information about our In This Together campaign. Well, listen, I think you're doing amazing work through the most challenging times and helping some of the most vulnerable people. I absolutely salute the work you and all the charities working in this sector are doing. So, look, I wish you the best, Jasmine. Please stay in touch. If in the future you ever want to come back on because you've got any important story you want to tell, uh, you know me now, so please reach out and just stay safe and I wish you the best. Thank you so much and for you too. Thank you for giving me so much time and to talk about the issues facing for people facing homelessness it's really really great to be able to kind of get that out there and stay safe as well thank you so much thank you for listening to defiance i do hope you enjoyed this interview with jasmine bazram from crisis now while everybody is understandably nervous and ensuring that they are prepared for a lockdown there are other parts of society that can be easily overlooked and the homeless definitely fall into this category and yet they are also some of the most vulnerable and exposed people in our society. The work that charities like Crisis and Shelter do is really important, so a massive thanks to Jasmine for coming on the show and shedding some light on this. Before we close out, I do need to thank my sponsor Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin, consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at kraken.com, which is K-R-A-K-E-N.com. Also, if you want to support the show, please leave me a review on iTunes or subscribe to the show. Follow me on social media or share it out with your friends and family. If you have any questions about this show or any other show I've made, please feel free to email me on peter at defiance.news.